What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 79, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1 episodes, SG-1's episode, uh, 2010. 2010. 2010. Got to see the future past today, Zach. That was pretty great. Yeah, uh, yeah. We are an independent podcast, uh, and once again, this guy right here, yours truly, is under some kind of a time crunch, so we'll be zipping through this information quickly. Sorry, Zach. I, I'm sorry to put you in these types of positions, but, uh, you know, it's... Well. You know, I'll, I'll just take my pound of flesh later. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so wait. friends, if you would like to help me keep my pound of flesh, I don't know how that's related. Whatever. Yeah. Po- independent podcast. You can uh, support us on Patreon. Thank you so much to the people that have supported us. It's fantastic. Really matters quite a lot. Um, and we're re- very appreciative of it. If you want to join the club, uh, you can. Uh, Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Every month, uh, we'll be giving folks an opportunity to vote on a recount. Uh, an aggregate number of votes will force us to rewatch an episode uh, and re-review it. Uh, put that little review on our Patreon feed and then on the real feed at some point later. But you will have instant access to it if you wish. Uh, and uh, the Patreon, no, regular feed stuff is all where podcasts are found. Pa- Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Podcast Aggregators. It's the deal. It's the whole thing. Uh, Zach, if somebody wants to let us know that they think it's ridiculous that uh, I keep putting time crunches on our recording uh, and they wanted to let us know, how might they do that? Well, they can get a hold of us by, get a hold of us by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. And because I have to do this fast, I will say W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. <laughs> or you can find us at Twitter at Stargate Walking or Facebook, oh Walking Through the Stargate go. Facebook go, go. group or the Facebook page. <laughs> All of those things. Uh, I also, Brent, uh, I know you're mm-hmm. in a time crunch, but I will say that as we end this podcast, our dear friend David, in addition to producing the promo for next week's episode, he also produced a promo for the Patreon. And so at the end of this really? episode, uh, I will share that with you. And of course, we'll put that up online and share that with all Excellent. of y'all listening. Um, and so at the end of this episode, Brent, I will share that with you. Sounds so. good. Uh, I watched that the other day, and I'm like, oh, David, you did great work. Thank you very much. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. So, shall we dig into this episode? Yes. Let's do it. So, this episode, wow, we did that in like three minutes, Brent. I know. That's like a record. (laughs) Yeah. And and everybody else is like, oh, why can't they do this every time? I know. I know. There is a piece of me that does feel a little bit bad, uh, but... Anyway, carrying right, on. Anyway, so this episode is directed by Andy Makita. We've seen his name before. He did directed The Curse a few episodes back, mm-hmm. um, and he did at least one episode last season, and he's got several more coming up in the future. This is his last directing episode this season. Uh, the teleplay mm-hmm. for this is by one of the co-creators, Brad Wright. Uh, this is his only his second episode with his name as the teleplay. Uh, mm-hmm. He did The Other Side, which is very early on in the season. Uh, mm-hmm. He does have one more story credit later on in the season, but then that's it. Uh, we have several guest actors in 2010 that we need to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I got to say props to uh, Ronnie Cox, who comes back as President Kinsey. So, yeah. <laughs> Although uh, he was titled as, uh, you know, special guest uh, Ronnie Cox as the president. Oh, did it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's all it said. The president. I thought it was kind of funny. Carrying up. 
So, um, we, we have Christopher Cousins, who plays Ambassador Joe Faxon. I don't know if we ever actually ever hear his last name, but he does have one. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, good point. Uh, uh, Cousins was born on September 27th, 1960 in New York City, but he was raised in Oklahoma. His mm-hmm. first IMDb credit was in 1986 when he played Green Houston in several episodes. No, Green? I got a stupid autocorrect. I don't remember. Something human. Greg, you know, uh, George, who knows, whatever. Mr. Houston. <laughs> um, in several episodes in the soap opera, Another World. Okay, nice. Well, I don't know. It might have been green. Yeah, it whatever. might have been green. I don't think it was green. I'm pretty sure that that was a typo, uh, typo. with autocorrect gotcha. doing what autocorrect does. Like uh, does. In any case, um, this is not the last time that we will see Christopher Cousins in Stargate. Oh. Um, so... Uh, we'll see this actor again in the future. Nice. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I, and the way that you're saying that. Okay, but carrying on. Carrying on. Okay. Uh, I'll let you uh, posit your own thoughts on that as you would like. Well, normally you say as another actor. Or no, as I'm sorry, a, as another character. That's what I okay. meant. Yeah. Anyway, carrying on. Just Well, you know, on. I'm not going to say anything more. Just okay. don't say anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> We also have Dion Luther, who plays Melon. I mean, Malum. Ah, nice. Yes. Uh, he is an actor and producer. According to IMDb, it says he's an actor and producer. And I guess you are a producer if you produce one thing. So True. he is a producer, but he only produced one thing in his career. Hmm. Um, he is apparently known for Stargate SG-1, Tom Stone, mm-hmm. and John Doe. Um, his first... IMDb credit was in the show The Beachcombers, which ran from 1972 to 2004. He played a character named Pat O'Gorman in 93 of those 370,000 episodes uh, from 1979 to 1990. Huh. Uh, The Beachcombers uh, is about the adventures of a professional lumber salvager and his friends in Gibson, British Columbia. Nice. <laughs> so, okay. There you go. That's where he got his uh, IMDb start. His last IMDb credit, however, was in 2007 in an episode of Smallville. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't know anything more about mm-hmm. uh, Luther, Dion Luther. Now, uh, we also have Linnea Johnson. She played the SGC tour guide. Nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we're walking. And we're walking. Uh, she's an actress known for Fringe, First Wave, and Stargate SG-1. And I was looking, and she has a total of seven IMDb credits. Wow. Geez, First Wave really? in 2000. Beggars and Choosers also in 2000. Stargate SG-1 in 2001. The Chris Isaac Show in 2001. Oh, Dead yeah. in a Heartbeat in 2002. Haunted in 2002. And then Fringe in 2009. Well, there you go. And that's her career, according to IMDb. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if she did uh, theater stuff mostly or whatnot, um, but no movies or TV beyond this. Mm-hmm. So, and then, of course, we have Gary Jones, a.k.a. Yes. Radar, a.k.a. Wal- Walter. Walter? <laughs> Radar Walter! Um, Yay, I'll go he's ahead got a and, name! And say this now. Um, at this point in time, we only know Walter's 
first name. Later on, it will be established that he has a last name, Harriman. Okay. And so it's Master Sergeant Walter Harriman. Harriman. Uh, despite the fact that he is established eventually as Walter Harriman, even in this episode, he has a name badge that says Davis, and we've talked about that before. <laughs> uh, he gets the name Walter due to an ad lib by Richard Dean Anderson. Was that an ad lib? Yep. No. Uh, so uh, there you go. Oh, that's uh, there fantastic. There may have been some conversation leading up to that about how they were going to do that, what they were going to do. You know, so I don't think it was an ad lib in that they just was rolling the film and he's like, uh, Walter. Walter. You know, but yeah, but uh, that wasn't in the the exact name oh, was not in the so script. Funny. We kind of came up with that on the day. Uh, uh, also, it's really fascinating because you have named this character Radar since yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. After the MASH character of Radar. Yes. The MASH character in Radar is named Walter Eugene O'Reilly. Oh, that... <laughs> he looks like a Walter. Yeah, well, there you go. He looks like go. a Walter. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, I love it when things come together like that. Well, there oh, you go. We got, we got. That's that's not mesh. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's all. It's it. It, it all mushes together eventually. Oh, okay, okay. That's right. Okay. Anyway, so, radar Walter Harriman. That's right. The original air date for 2010 was January 12, 2001. Number one on mm -hmm. the charts in 2001 was still Independent Women Part One by Destiny's Child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the UK, though, uh, Can We Fix It by Bob the Builder dropped to number four. And it was uh -huh. replaced by Touch Me by Rui Da Silva featuring Cassandra. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I don't so, know that uh, song. Yeah, I don't know that song at all. So, so I yeah. I, I, yeah. I, so my weird response just now had everything to do with me completely not paying attention to what you were saying, but instead dealing with an audio problem on my end, which I oh, fixed. Well, okay. <laughs> It's so, fixed. <laughs> good. I'm glad that you... So, so when, when Bob the Builder asks, can we fix it? The answer is yes. 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 I was able to resolve it. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, so, by the way, I figured out why Bob the Builder was the number one jam last, last week. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Or, or yeah. Yeah. It was, I guess, a week ago. Um, apparently, the, it reached the number one uh, as the Christmas single for uh, 2000. And so when we were uh, talking about the number one for, you know, the week prior, I think that it was still the winter holiday or it was still close enough to Christmas that that it was, you know, remaining as the number one. But uh, it had, um, you know, I, I think it had a lot to do with uh, with with the uh, holiday time and, you know, kids, et cetera. And what sure. are we going to do for the kids? We're going to listen yeah. to this jam. Well, it is so. worth noting that <clears throat> for both the UK and the U.S., they, this is the number one song for the week of. And, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Stargate airs on a Friday, and usually the week of uh, for those things begin like on Monday or something yeah. prior. So sure. this is nearing the end of the week of. Um, that's a good so, point. Uh, yeah. That's how that works. So when we talked about last week with the episode airing on the 5th, the week of, it was like, December 30 or 31 through yeah, the 6th okay. or something like that. Yeah, gotcha. So. Uh, but coming back, uh, going back to the UK number one, Touch Me by Rui Da Silva. Rui? Rui Da Silva? Rui? I don't know. I, I, I've never heard of it. I don't even know uh, who Cassandra is. 
I'm assuming it's not oh, Cassandra, Cassandra from yeah. uh, SG One, but probably not. Um, still, I'm gonna queue it up while you go okay. through the box office. Well, so, so go ahead. Number there one in the go. box office is Save the Last Dance, and when you're having that last dance, <laughs> oh, don't yeah. follow the rules of the song. Touch me. Bad idea. That'll get you into trouble. I guess so. Depends uh, on where you're at. I suppose. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Number two is Castaway, and that's a moment where you would... Never mind. Traffic is number three. <laughs> All of this, number four, is a double take, and now I'm wishing that I could just do a do-over just, instead just of a... Just do the whole thing over? Yeah. Nope. But I don't do that, because that's nope. just not how we roll. What's and number five is what women want, and what women don't want is that. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. No, don't sorry, sorry. everybody. <laughs> I just I I set you up in a way. Yeah, no, nah. It, it, there was no way. There was no way for success on that one. Uh, nope. So it had it had everything to do with the setup. So uh, you, uh, I'll, I'm I'm thankful that very thankful that you will take you know offer your acceptance of the blame. But but it really just I'm sorry, folks. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that we can do at this point in time is really move on. Just um, moving along. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, as I mentioned, this episode originally aired on January 12, 2001. What was happening about this time? A few days before, on January 9th, the Shenzhou-2, which is an unmanned Chinese spacecraft, is launched. Hmm. Also on January 9th, Apple announces iTunes at a Macworld Expo in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, wow. Uh, I didn't realize iTunes was... 20 years old now. Oh, yeah. That's, um, that's when it started. Yep. Okay. So on January 10th, a large piece of the chalk cliff at Beachy Head collapses into the sea. So, ouch. Yeah. I don't um, even know where Beachy Head is. I don't know where that is. And I meant to look that up and I didn't get a chance to. Yeah. But on January 12th, uh, the day this episode comes out, the Disney Channel series Lizzie McGuire premieres starring Hilary Duff. So oh, yeah. you say, welcome to Lizzie McGuire on this day. Yep. Huzzah. Gotcha. Huzzah. Also on the 12th, <laughs> William Hewlett from Hewlett and Packard. Hewlett hmm. Packard. He's the Hewlett of Hewlett Packard. Mm-hmm. Uh, dies of a heart attack at the age of 87. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then finally, on the 13th of January, an earthquake measuring a magnitude of 7.6 strikes El Salvador, killing more than 840 mm. people. Yikes. Ouch. Yeah. No good. No Sorry. good. No good. Okay. We do have some trivia for this question. For this mm-hmm. question. For this for that, for episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. The, um, the race, the Ashen, are seen developing a program to ignite Jupiter into becoming a star in order to use its moons and, and you know, for extra energy source and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe use the man and moons as mini planets to be colonized and such. Uh, this is an homage to the movie and book 2010, which was written in 1984, which featured mm. a very similar climax. Ah, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. The uh, futuristic complex where the Stargate is located is actually the Plaza of the Nations located in Vancouver, British Columbia. Gotcha. Uh, it was built in the 80s. So despite the fact that it was built in the 80s and was now about 15 years old when this episode was filmed, it mm-hmm. looks has a very futuristic look to it. Yeah. And by futuristic, I mean the past. Well, I mean, we'll get into it, but I was actually pretty impressed yeah. with, with the styling. Yeah. 
Um, Andy Makita, who directed this episode, says this is arguably one of his favorite uh, episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was his, according to this, it says it was his first writing direct uh, directing assignment, or his first directing assignment, but um, that can't be right. So I'm thinking that Brad Wright, who wrote this little quote here, uh, is misremembering some things. But it's still mm-hmm. early on in his time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a script that came out of Brad very quickly and organically. Um, Whereas, and it, he just he just liked loved it. it he thought it was Andy. Uh, yeah, I can't talk. That's not okay. only did Andy Makita enjoy this episode, but Brad Wright, who wrote this episode, really really enjoyed it as well and thought it was a, a great one of his best things. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Amanda Tapping actually was nominated for a Gemini Award for this episode, for her performance uh, Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yep, and some of the best scenes, uh, some of the favorite scenes for Brad Wright as he was writing this episode uh, are the ones that were between Sam and Joe and also between Carter mm-hmm. and O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth noting that the, ep- the scene between Carter and O'Neill when they're at the... Um, at the the cabin Mm -hmm. was actually filmed quite a bit earlier than the rest of this episode. Yeah. Um, When, so like, I don't remember what the episode is off the top of my head, but a few episodes back they were, they were at the cabin. Um, Right. You remember that? Right. And so it was filmed at that point in time. Yep. Uh, You may or may not have noticed, but during that scene, there's a couple things happening. One, uh, O'Neill says Ashen instead of Ashen. And that's because it was so early in the process, they didn't really know for sure what they were going to name and pronounce the, that one there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Carter also pronounced it Ashen in that scene. And so in a number of times, they had to do a voiceover where she had to redo her lines while watching her own lips move on the screen to time it all up and using the words a shen. Uh, and as I was watching it very carefully this time, I could definitely tell yep. that the mouth and the words yep. didn't yep. quite didn't line, line up. up. Nope. But that was why, because it was filmed quite a bit earlier uh, than everything else. That makes sense. That. So... There and I was going to ask you go. about that because, I mean, that was like one of those things of just like, surely something happened. They changed the name of the alien species or something because they pronounced, I think they pronounced it correctly towards the end of their exchange. Maybe not. Um, Maybe I was just mis- misremembering. Well, so there were a couple of times in that when with, I mean, I don't think O'Neill says it, quote, correct any time at that point in time. But he only um, says it like once. But he only says it once. Uh, and I think there is another time later on where she kind of says something between Ashen and Ashen, mm-hmm. and it's at a point in in the converse or in the the flow of English where uh, you know it sounds all right. Know, did 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 she did she mispronounce Ashen or did she mis- mispronounce Ashen? And you can't quite tell. Yeah. It's somewhere in between, but yeah. it it kind of fits. You know, it doesn't, it's not a blatant error. Yeah. Versus the one. earlier stuff where it's just obvious that she's saying a completely different word. Well, I guess not completely. Well, um, yeah, you know. But, 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 and Carter would not say Ashen. If they're the Ashen, she wouldn't say right. Ashen. Correct. Uh, O'Neill would. O'Neill yes, definitely would. would. Uh, yeah, you're right. There we go. That's yep. a good retcon. I like that. Um, let's see here. 
Um, in addition to that, uh, so this episode came out right about the same time as Galaxy Quest. And yeah. so mm-hmm. at the very end, when O'Neill is s- sliding down the zip line and running and, and doing his rolling and whatnot, that's very reminiscent of kind of one of the things that uh, uh, um, Tim Allen's character did in mm-hmm. Galaxy Quest, at which point then uh, during the filming, Amanda Tapping gets everybody to say things like, is that absolutely necessary? <laughs> <laughs> by the hammer of what? What is it? What? No, by by Grayscar's. What by is that Grayscar's hammer. Hammer. What Something savings? Like <laughs> yeah. Um. Sorry, sorry. I'm taking us off path. That's okay. And finally, um, one more thing that I want to share with terms of trivia, um, the, the little laser blast that they got hit with at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the markings on their face and their bodies were just makeup on ahead of time. And then during the post-production, they actually had to paint those out until yeah. they finally got blasted. Gotcha. Um, That's which actually, nice. it looked did, really yeah. quite nice. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. So that was that. Uh, I do have a couple of goofs worth mentioning here. Mm-hmm. Um, the events of this episode begin, according to the newspaper, on July 27, 2010, which is erroneously marked as a Thursday on uh, Ambassador Joe's newspaper at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. However, July 27, 2010 is actually a Tuesday. Gotcha. Ah, so. Yes. Uh, you know, not a big deal, but there it is. And yep. then um, apparently, and I looked for, the, looked for this and I didn't see it, but Colonel O'Neill, of course, when they're at the, 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 uh, the cabin, is talking about peace and not having to save the world, and he's happy about that, and he's happy about having a pond with no pesky fish in it to mm-hmm. bottle him. However, uh, apparently, if you look carefully in that scene with the water, you can see a carp swing up uh, onto the uh, surface of the pond and just, like, saying hello and whatnot uh, in the middle of this um, when he's like, talking about no fish uh-huh. at all. So <laughs> I looked Little. for it as I watched it, but I missed it. Uh, but you can always go ahead and check that out. So, uh, fun fact, on July 27th, 2010, I took one photo, and it happened to be a picture of a disc that I would use on my PlayStation 3 to pull up Netflix. Uh, oh, to pull wow. up the Netflix streaming app at the time. So, uh, I used it so often that I had literally burned a ring almost through the disc. And I got a replacement disc because the old one wasn't working anymore. And so I ended up taking a picture of the old one next to the new one. Oh, at wow. 7, 17 p.m. on July 27th, 2010. That's, there you go. That is cool. I had forgotten <laughs> that, that you got early on in Netflix streaming, you actually had to have a separate device like that in order to yep. make it happen. In order to make it happen. Um, yep. So At least on the PS3. At least, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the same thing with the Wii too. Didn't didn't you have to have a disc for the Wii? Yeah, I thought you did. Yeah, I, so I don't remember how we how we streamed early on back in then. Back um, in those old I mean, days. Although July ten or July twenty seven two thousand ten, I would have been about a week to a week and a half from moving away from Chicago. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been shortly after graduation. Yep. Um, and uh, I think we moved early August. So I would have just finished working um, at your place of employment Yep. Um, yep. for the summer mm-hmm. and uh, then was getting ready to move to North, De- North Dakota. 
And I think we moved, I want well, let's see here. Uh, I think we moved like, I guess, I guess it was a couple weeks later. Because we moved, um, would have been like August 27th. No, August mm-hmm. like 15th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, middle of August is when we uh, moved. Uh, so it was right around then. There you go. There you go. Now, you all know what we were doing 10 years ago. Yep, pretty much. And that is almost 10 years ago from the time we almost were Almost on the day. Yep, that's right. <laughs> all right. Actually, no, it is, it's It's June 27 as we are recording. That's funny. Oh, man. That that's is, so that's, yeah. That, that, oh, gosh. Yeah. Hey, look right. at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, shall we dig into the synopsis here? Let's do this. Okay. A Shen promise anti-aging vaccine worldwide. That is the headline on the paper as Samantha sits down at an outdoor breakfast table. She apologizes for being late. Her breakfast partner is Joe. And they won't be able to actually have breakfast together because their schedules ended up missing each other. Samantha just found out. Joe thought for sure this time. They just have to keep trying. They're struggling to have a baby. As they depart, Joe wonders if they should get a second opinion. But Samantha admits that the Ashen are hundreds of years more advanced than they are. As they kiss goodbye, Joe heads toward the Stargate. But it's not in Cheyenne Mountain. And it's surrounded what looks like an airport terminal. The opening credits. Sorry, carry on. It is ten years into the future. The year 2010. Earth has been transformed into a paradise. Long life. Perfect health, Kinsey as president, the Gulawuld defeated, and all thanks to joining the Ashen Federation ten years ago. On this ten-year anniversary, there is a special ceremony honoring SG-1's participation in this wondrous connection between Earth and the Ashen. Carter, Jackson, Tilk without the gold emblem, and right. Fraser are all there. Conspicuously missing is General, General Hammond and Colonel O'Neill. They are true heroes of Earth and awarded with medals at this ceremony. After the ceremony comes a party because why not? The four heroes, along with Joe, stand together and offer a toast to General Hammond, who died six years ago from a heart attack. They also note the absence of Jack. He could have at least come to see them, at least. Fraser makes a quip about being obsolete. Carter and Joe are trying to hide their disappointment on not having kids. Malum, the Ashen ambassador, steps over and needs to speak with Joe, the Earth ambassador, and so they depart. Sam looks at her friends and asks, what's next? And they decide to gather later for dinner. Teal and Daniel head off into the crowd of people while Sam and Janet continue their conversation. Janet is frustrated with her situation due to the anti-aging vaccine, the anti-cancer vaccine, the machines that mend bones, etc., etc., etc. Her role as a physician and doctor is hardly needed anymore. The Ashen are so much more advanced technologically that she just doesn't have anything to do. Sam admits that much of their science makes her feel stupid too. Janet asks if by chance Sam's pregnant. No... Despite trying for three years, no, Janet offers to give her an examination, a second opinion, if you will, and Sam agrees. Sam is sitting in Janet's office, worried, waiting. Janet comes in. She's got bad news. Sam's ovaries have been damaged. She can't have children. 
neither understand how the Ashen doctors could have missed this. Sam is crushed, and she wants to know why. She wants to know why they looked her in the eye and said everything went fine was fine when everything was not fine. Janet offers her assistance in finding out what is going on. Sam heads to work in an Ashen science lab. Mollum is there, and they're working on transforming Jupiter into another sun. Mollum wonders why humans didn't consider turning Jupiter into a star long before this, given the rapid population growth on Earth. Sam admits that humans don't seem to look as far ahead into the future as the Ashen. Could that be foreshadowing? <laughs> Sam has some work to do on the project, and she asks Mollum if she could use the more advanced Ashen computers. Despite initial misgivings, Mollum grants her access to the system. As he departs to do whatever is next for him, Janet pops in and the two begin scanning the Ashen system for any information on reproductive problems. Janet and Sam soon discover a dark secret. The worldwide birth rate has dropped almost 91% in the last few years. It's been happening everywhere the anti-aging vaccine has been administered. The Ashen are systematically sterilizing the human population of Earth, allowing them to take over the planet, quote, bloodlessly, with the forethought of a people who think super long term. Something needs to be done. Janet and Sam agree to talk with Daniel and Teal'c about it, at dinner. At dinner, the four former members of the SGC discuss the situation, and in keeping with their harebrained ideas that have almost no chance of working, but also being pretty much the only option for actually being able to save the day, the group decides it's time to go back to the future. Uh, wait, 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 wait. They're already in the future. They need to go back to the past. It doesn't quite have the Sorry. same ring. But it's, it's still what they need to do. <laughs> Using a solar flare to take them back in time, as they did in the episode 1969, one of Zach's favorite episodes, they can send themselves a message to not visit the Ashen in the first place ten years ago. They'll need to use the Ashen computers to predict the solar flare, sneak through the most heavily defended plaza on the planet, take control of the Stargate, and toss a sheet of paper through it. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, and we need help. Enter Jack O'Neill. And we're walking? That's not yet. We're not walking oh, yet. We're not walking yet. Sam visits Jack in his cabin. There is tension between the two of them. O'Neill sounded the alarm bells ten years ago, and no one, not even Samantha, listened. He's kind of bitter. Despite all her arguments and pleas, Jack refuses to help, and Sam leaves. But the plan moves forward. Tilk returns to Chulak to avoid suspicion. They'll contact him soon with details. Daniel and Sam head to Cheyenne Mountain to steal the last remaining GDO. Cheyenne Mountain is a museum now. We're on level 28. Do you know what's also on level 28? The gate room. Oh, that's so close, but no. Oh, wait, wait, he's right. It is the gate room. Ah, but what you may not know is that its official name is the embarkation room because that's where the SGC teams embarked from. And we're walking. <laughs> Finally, 
Sam and Daniel are able to break away from the tour and begin their search of what they need. And they are surprised when they see Jack O'Neill there waiting for them and ready to help. Woohoo! Yay! They collect a couple of Zat guns. Because what do you need in a museum but actively working and operational weapons? Good idea. Armory. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But they discover that the single GDO that they need is a fake radar. Uh, that is to say, Walter is there at the museum working. He tries to stop them, but also softens as they reminisce. He reveals that the real GDO is actually in the Oval Office. And they promise to return whatever they've taken by Thursday. He agrees. And so they head off to figure out a way to get the real GDO. Sam talks to Joe. She reveals to him what she knows. And she is stunned when he reveals what he knows. He knew about the sterilization process, but didn't know the extent. It was only supposed to be a third of the population, not 91%. They argue, but there's a task to be done. Sam convinces her husband to sneak into the Oval Office and switch the replica GDO for the real one. In Sam's lab, with the Ashen computer, they are able to predict the next solar flare. Joe was successful in attaining the GDO, but he refuses to give it to Jack until Sam agrees to not take part in whatever insane plan they've come up with. Jack agrees. The execution of the plan. Janet departs for Chulak with coordinates to give to Teal'c. Daniel works his way through the metal detectors on his way to the Stargate. Jack is on the second level with a harpoon gun and the GDO. He's prepared to zipline down to the gate to toss in his sheet of paper. Teal'c returns to Earth with another Jaffa and a couple of staff weapons. The guard at the gate says no weapons are allowed here, so Teal'c shoots him. He makes his way to the DHD and begins dialing the coordinates that Janet gave him. Daniel zets the guard at the metal detectors and makes his way toward the gate. The two Jaffa... Uh, begin shooting the defense lasers, which begin pelting the heroes with hundreds of tiny laser blasts, and meant to disable and not necessarily kill right away. Tilk opens the gate and proceeds to take out some of the defenses with his staff weapon. Jackson assists and begins to move toward the gate, shooting them, uh, shooting with the, the, the defenses with the Zat guns. Jack hits Mullen with a Zat blast and then proceeds to enter the GDO code and the zip line down to the gate. Tilk dies. Daniel tries to get to the gate. He dies. Jack makes his way to the gate. Sam and Joe are trying to leave the building when the alarms go off. Sam breaks away from her husband and runs back to help her friends. Joe follows. Sam makes her way directly for the gate. Jack nearly makes it to the gate, but he is cut down and dies. Sam takes several shots in the back, but she's just as able to toss the sheet of paper with their warning through the gate before she too falls to the floor dead. Mm-hmm. Back Very thousand. Stargate Command receives an incoming transmission accompanied by an SG-1 IDC, which is kind of strange because all of SG-1 is currently on site. They open the iris and through the gate comes a small crumpled sheet of paper. Written on it, in Colonel O'Neill's handwriting, is a simple message. Under no circumstances go to P4C970, Colonel Jack O'Neill. Everyone is curious as to what could possibly have happened. But not willing to take any chances, General Hammond orders P4C970 to be locked out of the dialing computer, computer immediately so that they, can never, so they won't ever be able to contact that planet again in the future. And it's taken off the rotation. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. 2010. 
Mm -hmm. What did you think? Well, I mean, I had a pretty momentous year that year. I mean, a lot of things. Oh, you mean the episode? Okay. All right. Um, I'll start off with the bad stuff. The things that I thought were a little bit kind of ham-handed. I thought that the, um, you know, upon reflection, the SG-1 team making a decision for the fate of the entire planet of Earth felt a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? Patriarchal, maybe? Um, Like... Uh, you know, seriously, do, do, do you think that the only possible way that there could be any type of successful resolution, a, a little bit what Jack was kind of saying, although he was more along the lines of saying, I don't care if the if the human population ends in a couple of hundred years, I've got my pond. Um, uh, but the idea that there is absolutely no other path but to reverse what had happened um I get was central to the story. I'm not going to bag it that hard, but it was a little bit like eh, maybe there was a mistake. Maybe there was another option. Maybe technology would advance in a couple of centuries to allow for a third solution that you didn't think of. You know what I mean? There, there was, but whatever. We'll leave that one aside. We have an exciting show here. The other thing that I didn't like had something very, very specific for as strong of a character as Samantha Carter is and has been very well established all the way through this thing. I just did not, I was not a fan of Ambassador Joe being like, you could do this on one condition. This person over here who can't make a decision of her own doesn't make a decision. It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, like, seriously? Uh, what? All right. Like, no, I didn't. That was not cool. But, and again, it turned out not to matter. She did it. You know, she did her thing. But, um, but that moment was a little like, come on, come on now. Come on. Come on. I can, she's, I she's can a person. understand um, what he's thinking. Um, I mean, you know, is, is he trying to take decisions away from somebody else? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, you know, if you knew that your spouse's friends and such were going to do something really, really dumb Mm -hmm. and you knew that it was probably going to leave them dead, if not, um, arrested, you can decide which one of those is worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, the idea of him saying, okay, I'll give you my part in this if you make sure that this other person here whom I love is out of harm's way. That makes a certain amount of sense to me. Now, um, I find it interesting that, that, that O'Neill is the one who says immediately, okay, fine, we'll, we'll let... Um, We'll let her stay out of it, which suggests yeah. that he has uh, unresolved yes. feelings for her still yes. Yes. Uh, as well. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I'm of the opinion that, hey, if you want to if you want to have a hard conversation with a person, <laughs> you have it with the person, not with somebody else about the person. But um, <clears throat> but as I was mentioning or at least alluding to, um, I'm starting with the bad stuff first because that's kind of it. I've kind of talked about the bad stuff that I had about this episode. Oh, it wrapped up really too fast. Um, not the execution of the plan, but the resolution of the note in the gate room in, back in 2000. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. Hammond was like, yep, good enough for me. All right. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really? Really? That fast? All right. Okay. I get it. You're, you're, you're dwindling down the seconds here and you can't exactly expound on it, but, uh, that fast really um but other than that no i had a great time with this episode uh i love to uh i love to hate 
episodes that try to predict the near future um, because it's always hilariously wrong. But I thought that this one was particularly well, particularly um, uh, careful is the word that's coming to mind, but I don't know if it's the best word. It was just, it was very plausible that the futuristic technology that we see are a result of a relationship with an alien species, not the development of technology by Earth by you know on Earth by Earthlings. Right. Uh, the 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 fashion and the style and the 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 you know the, where some uh, movies and shows try to show the future uh, by being almost over the top with it. You know, in this way, it was very understated. Uh, you know, there was there were aspects about what they thought 2010 was going to be like, which, of course, you know, were not all that accurate. Um, but, you know, it's a little bit like who cares? Um, you know, was the styling exactly like that? Nah, a little, but not quite. Um, you know, uh, would, would Joe be reading a newspaper as opposed to reading his iPhone? You know, you know whatever. Well, in 2010, um, you still would have been reading a newspaper. Could have uh, been. He might have been yeah. retro in that regard. Yes. Um. But it, but it's it was such small potatoes, such small potatoes compared to what the story was about, compared to what you know the the setting in which the explanation as to why everybody looks like they haven't aged today because indeed they haven't, um, uh, you know why why was there this technology there is because of this alien race what was going on with the relationship between that alien race you know there was a lot in there that was just real plausible and it was re- I was I was along for the whole ride the 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 sort of the SG one team saves the day by taking the fate of the human race into their own hands. Part was something that I kind of rolled my eyes with, but that's why we have a television show. And you know, in the same way, I'll get off my high horse a little bit. We've said more than enough times. These are heroes. When you're dealing with stories with heroes, heroes do weird things. They're not your everyday person. They're heroes. They do do epic things that, that affect everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm willing to, you know, put that, put that criticism aside, but yeah, I mean, I know that, uh, I know that I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm being abbreviated here, uh, you know, in the interest of time, which is my own dang fault, but I, I also don't really have to go on very much. I had a fun time with the episode. I also am admitting a little bit of my, um, slight hypocrisy because a piece of the enjoyment of this episode had to do with the sort of the clandestine nature of their of their attempt. And last week we watched an episode of a couple of people doing a clandestine thing and I was bagging it like crazy. Um so, you know, maybe it was just because I, I had a better piece of sausage this morning than last week, but uh uh I enjoyed it uh more than last week's similar arc. So sure. I'm at least owning that. I'm I'm acknowledging that. So yeah. That's generally the kind of the high level thing. I kind of liked it. What about you? Well, you know, I, I enjoy this episode. Uh, I I really dig the acting in this episode. The acting mm-hmm. in this episode and the dialogue is just really, really good. Uh, those two scenes between Sam and O'Neill, uh, Sam, between Sam and Jack, and then also between Sam and Joe uh, mm-hmm. when, when they're in the bedroom there. Uh, those scenes are just incredibly well written and well yes. acted it they yes. just hit every point um you know the the you you walk in there and you can just feel the tension between sam and jack as she enters this space and you're like well something mm-hmm. happened over the last 10 years which is a big deal um and 
you know, and you just feel that, and it it works, and it just it continues the story on in a way that just um, is organic in that mm-hmm. regard. Uh, and in like manner, the the argument that they have over the anti aging vaccine and what its ramifications yeah. are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's like, oh my god, I, I I knew this, but it's not supposed to be like this. And she's like, you knew about this and you mm-hmm. didn't say this, mm-hmm. and and he's like, it's exactly the same as what you do. And she's like, no. And then she's also remembering at the same time. Well, okay, yeah, it is. But, yeah. But that tension there, it's just ah, oh, yeah. Th- that those two scenes just. I eat those up. Those are great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I will admit that usually I hate time travel episodes when the end result is we're back at the beginning and nothing has changed. Yeah. And to some degree, that is exactly what this episode is. Yes. Uh, we just had 45 minutes of an adventure of characters that don't remember that adventure. Yep. Um, yep. And yet there's yep. something in this that um, allows me to give that a pass. Uh, Normally, I would be like, yeah, no, sorry, don't, no. Uh, But there's something in this story here uh, that allows me to say I'm okay with it. Uh, I've got a theory about why you feel that way. It's because, I think, it's because so many times in science fiction where they try to pull that stunt that you're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. It feels like the writers and, you know, it feels like everybody involved in the show kind of wants to have um, a gimme or, you know, what they want to they want to play. So uh, it requires a redress of the set. It requires, you know, different outfits. It requires, you know, different makeup. It requires, uh, you know, the actors have to get inside their characters heads uh, at a meaningful spell down the line. Um you know, I've seen, you know, we've seen dozens of these types of episodes and, you know, these two characters suddenly have a romantic interest that were you, that you were like, oh, OK, well, I guess they're they're a thing now. Um, you know, th- it, it feels like a fun time if you are involved in the production of the show, um, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of break it up a little bit. Can do something a little bit new? But you're right. Um, they're not willing to take the show 10 years into the future right now. They got to bring it back. So how do you bring it back? You re- you hit the big reset button and maybe you drop a little nugget of something that uh, just keeps it going forward. One very notable exception that I'm immediately thinking of is the next gen episode uh, who's the name I can never remember. It's the one where Picard lives an entire life in like an hour. Uh, um, inner light. Yep. Inner light. And so the thing that he takes back with him is, well, he has all the memories of that, right? Like he, like, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's different. Um, uh, never uh, mind. The one that is most egregious to me is uh, it's a two-part episode of Voyager called Year of Hell or Year in Hell or something like that. Mm. And and everything that can go wrong does go wrong. People die left and right. Uh, yeah. Tuvok is blinded at one point in time. Oh, that's right. Um, the ship is just annihilated practically. Uh, and uh, when it's all said and done, uh, they've just had a year of time where these characters have developed and grown and and experienced new things and they have changed and been transformed radically in that year and they hit the reset button and not only do they go back in time successfully but nobody remembers any of what happened right and it doesn't matter anymore yeah i think maybe that's one of the things that makes this okay for me is because uh you know if you figure that 
our alpha team is the 2000, 2001 team that we only yep. see at the very end. Right. And the beta team is the 2010 stuff. Mm-hmm. That stuff, while that timeline disappears, that right. ceases to exist to some degree, um, but that does have an effect on the present one uh, where they get yes. that note um, that says, hey, don't go to that planet. Uh, so there is something of a change that change that, that it transforms there um, within those characters. It's only just the briefest of things. That might be it. I don't know. It could be that it, it's actually a decent story and I like the story. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, anything that I officially don't like, if you write a good story using that, then I'll change my mind. <laughs> and it, I mean, that's, that's been my thing, like pretty much this entire time when we've been talking about these shows for me, um, the only time that I can think of where a story was really not good and I actually enjoyed it was Bane. And it had everything to do with it, it was it was everything else about that episode that I loved. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, yeah, if the story is weak or if the story can't seem to pull itself out of a hole, like I'm just like, come on. No, we've got we, we, we have limited time on this planet. I don't want to be spending it watching a terrible story. There you um, go. Yep. And, you know. Like, yeah, I think you're right on the head. Like, th- this story was well told, well executed. And yeah, you're right. There was technically a reset button at the end with a little bit, with with just this nudge, a little bit of a nudge. But I didn't feel like, uh, I didn't feel like I, the viewer, was robbed of a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And th- I do think that that's kind of interesting, especially when putting it as a juxtaposition against uh, Year in Hell or whatever that episode was, or the episodes right. were in Voyager, because that was also a pretty darn good story, except for the end. Um, you know, like, like, oh, like <laughs> going ahead and throwing the series into just a complete, just latrine um, felt like a really bold choice, but also one of like, yeah, like that could happen only to escape to to revert which kind of brings me back to what i was kind of alluding to when i was saying that the sg1 team just took the fate of humanity in their hands like um there's no way that the series was going to start you know from july 27th 2010 and then keep going forward Um, right but it would have at least been bold and interesting to be like okay this is the poo that you're in right now how are you gonna get yourself out other than in a 45 minute episode. But that's not where we were. It's not the story that was told. So, yeah. Um, still, you know, uh, I do think, you know, if I were to get to some of the, the middlings for me, I think that uh, the resolution of things happens very, very quickly, both yes. in 2010 and, yes. uh, you know, the, the coda in 20, 2000 uh, is, yep. is super, super quick. Um, uh, I'll pass. I'll, I'll give that a, a, at least a small pass because um, that really wasn't what the story was about. It was just kind of tie, tying it back up into the present, so we can continue with the present stuff. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll, uh, I'll accept that for 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 that reason. Um, you know. Uh, so, but but the end scene when when they're fighting at the 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 gate, uh, I enjoyed it, but it did feel to me that it was just a little bit rushed. Um, yeah. I would have liked to have seen that just kind of fleshed out a little bit more, but at the same time, if you did that, you would have had to um, take out other parts of the story and 
I'm like, what would you take out? Uh, oh, yeah. It's actually a really tight script. Yes. Uh, Agreed. I know, agree. It's a really tight script. And so it's like, you know, to trim anything more in that story to flesh out your fight scene would be to cut off uh, meat and cut into the bones. And yeah. that's no good. Um, because one of the things that makes this episode so so good, in my opinion, is uh, the character development and the development yep. of, of and, and just the way the characters interact and the way the actors play that. Um, yeah. uh, I have to give my totally. hats off to Amanda Tapping because we find out right away in the show that she wants to have a baby and can't. And mm-hmm. the entire episode, you can see that cloud hanging over her the entire yeah. time. Even when she's talking about something that is completely unrelated to that, that's just mm-hmm. there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Amanda Tapping, you rock. She's a really, really good actor. She's yeah, she really is. good. Yes. Um, so those are my thoughts. Good. All right. Those are good thoughts. Um, I'm going to lean on us just a little. So originally I said we'd have to be ending like right around now, but the fact is that I got about 10 minutes or so. So, uh, so uh, you want to transition? Yep, we should do transition. <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you for putting I, I, up I with this. I was going to recommend that we move on to that. And I say, so Brent. Okay. Yes. Chevrons. How yeah. many Chevrons does this episode get in your book? I, I had a good time with this one. Uh, the bad stuff wasn't that all that bad. I think that this was a future story, of, you know, a, a, a story that tells the future in a way that was really cleverly done. Uh, acting was through the roof, man. Um, story was nice and tight. Uh, I'm going to give this one six out of seven chevrons. Six I'm going to give it six. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to give this episode. And then I was I was thinking also a six. And then I realized that, you know what? Um, I, I, I got to bump that up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go all the way to seven, but I will mm-hmm. go six and a half. Um, yeah. The, the acting in this episode is enough. And, and you know, as we talked about this, it just, it just kind of sits well with me. I'm going to give this episode a six and a half. Yeah. Chevron. This was a good one. I had a fun time with this one. Oh, right. Well, uh, we do have some um, predictions yeah. for us. And let me pull them up right here. Okay. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sondas. I don't know if I'm Hi, pronouncing Sondes. that right. Uh, S-O-N-D-E-S. If I am Sondes. mispronouncing your name, please let me know how to pronounce it because I like to get these right if I can. Sunday. Sunday. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, please, just help me out on that. She sure. says, uh, uh, hi, guys. Uh, today's hi. episode was great from start to finish. You yeah. don't get bored at all. The stakes were high, not mm. to mention Daniel's glasses. He needs yes. those from now on. Yep. Uh, I think Two different seven frames. for both Zach and Ooh, Brent. Very Ooh. close. Uh, I think this is the first time you've given a prediction, so congratulations on um, yeah, getting, getting very, very, very close. close to what it is. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Okay, Anna. Anna Hi, says, Anna. I wish I had some great reason for why I picked these ratings for you guys, but I got nothing. <laughs> I'm going to go with a six for both of you. I'm debating <gasps> Super because close. seven because... We do finally learn Radar's name. Yeah. Okay, seven for Brent and a six for Zach. My final answer, <laughs> uh, I myself really like this episode and remember watching it 10 years ago in 2010. I would give it a six. So she says her final answer is a seven for you and a six for me. So close. Um, let's see here. Uh, next one, Austin. 
Hi, Austin. Austin says, uh, totally out of the norm for the series and is a very suspenseful episode. Mm-hmm. Even though we, the audience, know something is up since the beginning, six for Zach and a six for Brent. Dang, man. Well done, Austin. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Laura. So good. Getting, Hi, Laura. Uh, I think Laura is new to giving predictions as well. So welcome, Nora, to this yeah. fun part of the show. Thank you. Uh, this is one of my eight Chevron episodes, she said. Really? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it when I'm watching the show. I am not sure how you guys will rate the show. We will get to see... We get to see more of Dr. Frazier, and we get to see the characters yeah. with lives outside the SGC. Yeah. I'm going to say seven for both of them, and I really hope neither of you don't drop below a six. <laughs> Good news. We didn't. Good news. You're, you're doing well. Okay. Jacqueline says, yes, this is one of the episodes I have been eagerly awaiting to hear you both discuss. Oh, I'm really sorry we had to zip through this. I know. Me. I mean, maybe oh. we'll give a little bit of extra time, uh, you know, at the next one. Uh, frankly, there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we could unpack. There's some philosophical stuff in here that we could have unpacked. There, there too. certainly is some stuff there yeah. that we could chew on. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do a bonus episode if we have some time sometime. And I got pinged right in the middle. Who is this from? Who's who's writing right now? This is Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Hi, Jacqueline. Okay. So this is one of the episodes she's been eagerly waiting to hear from uh, hear us discuss. It's one of her favorites and tends to be at the top of her rewatch list along with Window of Opportunity. Mm-hmm, she says, mm-hmm. I would be one of, it would be one of my top five favorite episodes. It's mm-hmm. different to the episodes that have gone before and it sets the uh, we also finally get to discover Radar's name. Yay! I'm going to go all out and say you both give 2010 seven chevrons. So close. So close. So close. Everybody Absolutely. has been dancing around that. All right. We do have mm-hmm. some emails here. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. We start here with Arnacht. Hi, Arnacht. Arnacht is thankfully not a look the future so cool according to a tired overworked script writer who hasn't the faintest clue what's even happening next week, much less next decade, century, episode, whatever. Obviously, there's the whole time travel question. 1969 previously avoided this problem by not creating paradoxes, excepting some anachronisms like the Sears Tower, but who cares? But I'm sure Brent and Zach have already spent enough time on air talking about that. (laughs) Uh, We did talk about that in 1969, uh, this year's tower. And yeah, it would be lovely to really chew on some of the... uh, uh, The close but not quites that this episode did. Yeah. Uh, We may really have to to find some time this week to, to do something like that, Brent. We'll see. Sure. Uh, but I'm sure Zach can say blah, 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 so I won't talk anymore. Regardless, 2010 is a good episode. I predict that Zach will give it six chevrons and Brent mm-hmm. will find some issue with it that I don't have and <laughs> give it three or four chevrons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm developing a reputation. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. So that was uh, Arnacht. Here is David. David says, Hi, David. Chevron encoding bias buffer from the future. Future because Chevrons. Naturally. Mm-hmm. This is one of the episodes I was really looking forward to when I saw it was coming up in the queue. I mm-hmm. loved it then and maybe even more now that I've watched it 10 years after it took place. Mm-hmm. I liked the Ashen uh, long game of peacefully taking over a planet and gradually mm-hmm. wiping out the population, 
kind of believable, actually. I yes. also liked how the show was able to kill off all of SG-1 heroically without real consequences to the show. How many mm-hmm. deaths are we at for Daniel Jackson now? And on top of that, we finally Good get point. to learn the real name of Radar. <laughs> yeah. Zach, uh, cue of all the Radar radar trivia I hit you with last year, assuming you haven't already. Um, yeah, uh, I don't remember all of those, so I'll have to go look for that again. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. He says Brent, six chevrons, and when right he on the gets money. a note from his future self, it might even get bumped up to a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I got to admit, I do not have a note for my future self. Yeah, uh, well, it's, it's waiting. It's coming. It's coming. I guess so. It's coming in the mail. Uh, his, Zach, his note from the future told me this was a seven, she- seven chevron episode for him. Um, super close. Super close. Yeah. So uh, good. So I, good. I, 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 could, I could have easily enough gone with uh, uh, a seven, but I decided to go with a six and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we this have one time. more here from Caleb. Hi, Caleb. This episode is in the middle for me. It's okay, but not great. Uh, and the tour guide really was super annoying. Not sure how to predict, but, all, uh, but I'll take a guess. He predicts a five for me and a four for you. Well, yeah, you know, it just didn't hit. It didn't hit. In the same way, you know, uh, like with uh, with me with last week. It was yeah. Like, eh, nah, not my jam. Yeah. You know, uh, which kind of surprised me. I kind of thought that you would would chew on that and enjoy that sure. uh, more than you did. Um, and, you know, and, and Caleb, you say that the, the tour guide is kind of annoying. I'll grant you that, that there's some annoyingness to it, but I just found the humor in that uh, and ran with the humor and I didn't find it personally uh, annoying. Uh, for me. I similarly was thinking it was it was definitely funny, but yeah, yeah, she was she was obnoxious. Yep, <laughs> she was obnoxious. Yes, she was. <laughs> yes, she was. All right. So, Brent. Yes. Next episode is called uh-huh. yes. Absolute Power. Okay. I ask you what Absolute Power is about. Uh. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They are greeted by an alien race they have never met before. No, that's not true. They're greeted by an alien race that was, uh, what's her name? Oma Dasala. They finally find the homeworld of Oma Dasala. And they are greeted. And they, and, they, and, and, and there's, there's stuff that happens. Because that's television. Stuff happens. <laughs> but... But what results in, before we roll to the title credits, is that a gift has been given to the SG-1 team, ambassadors of the planet Earth. They are now granted with the same level of insight and power as the race that is Oma Dasala, effectively granting them absolute power. But with absolute power comes... The ability to destroy the ghoul world. Join us next time as we completely wrap up the series and then have nothing but four more years of just playtime with absolute power. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Did um, I get it? So let's watch the promo and then we'll talk. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Are you I ready? ready? Yes. I'm hitting go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. An encounter with the Harseus' child has a profound impact on Daniel Jackson. (laughs) I was kind of close. Yep. Oh my gosh, wait a minute. Am I actually, like, hitting the money? 
Wait a minute, did I actually get this? <laughs> I'm not saying it Absolute power corrupt Daniel Jackson, absolutely. Sir, you have to try. Somebody has to stop him before it's too late. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! Be saved from his tyranny. It's oh, gonna be a good one on Stargate SG One. Wow! Did I get that close? Wow! I, th I, I, I'm really looking forward to watching Daniel Jackson to see what. So, he's had hey. a flirt with godlike abilities a few times. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we will see what happens. So as you started talking, I'm like, oh my, oh my, <laughs> oh my. I mean, you know, you, you get a few things wrong in there, but it's like, yeah, of course. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's well, fun. So that was uh, a fun one. Nice. Yep. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thank you very much, David, for that. Uh, we'll talk thank about you, David. absolute mm -hmm. power next week. Um, mm -hmm. And Brent. Yes. Uh, I do want you to pull up the uh, video for the Patreon that, that uh, oh, that's David right. produced. And uh, uh, so yeah, David yeah, also produced this for the Patreon. So we will get this up and running. Uh, get that onto Facebook and probably onto the pa Patreon page because it's cool. Um, so this is uh, uh, David's uh, gift to us on that regard. Yes, ready. Yep. Okay, ready. He, he had he had the start of it the same. Okay, yes, go. Okay, ready, go. Next time on Walking Through the Stargate. <laughs> I was An encounter with the Harsis's child gives Zack and Brett a disturbing view of the future. <laughs> The wormhole. Oh, the animated! Oh my gosh! Is this like a Hanna Barbera thing? Oh my gosh! Is that the theme song? Oh my! Our second Brent doomed to watch this nightmarish future. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, that looks terrible! Join the Patreon to help decide Zack and Brent's future. <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna get blowed up? Hey, nice call out there! There you go. Oh, well that was superb! Oh, that was fun. Oh, um, thanks, David! That was awesome! Yeah. Um... I appreciate that. Uh, that's the second or third time I've I've watched that, and it just I just get <laughs> it, it's a great promo. I, I love it. I love it. So um, yeah, join us on the Super Patreon, uh, patreoncom slash walking through the Stargate, uh, and if we can get up uh, uh, to seventy five dollars a month on that, then we will start uh, uh, recording episodes of Stargate Infinity, and uh, we'll get to experience the joys of that future yeah um so uh with that and we uh, are kind of close 
I mean, we got yeah, a little ways to go, but we're you know it's not it's not outside the realm of possibility. It's not outside the realm of possibility. We just need about uh, I don't know three or four more uh, ten dollar a month pledges, yep. and and we got yep. that. We're getting rid of pretty um, much there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, tell us what you think about this episode, two thousand ten. I know that we had to run through this really quickly, and we didn't get a chance to delve into a lot of the philosophical philosophical things out there. So go mm-hmm. ahead and share your thoughts on those, and maybe we can have some more conversations. If Brett and I have an extra time this week, because you know. Who doesn't have extra time these days? Uh, yeah, it's a good point. Um, uh, we'll, yeah, exactly. Uh, we maybe uh, we'll try to get out a bonus episode if possible, but don't quote us on that. Yeah. Uh, the future is still unclear. I didn't get a note yet, so there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, all of these things you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail You can follow us on Twitter and talk to us at on Twitter at Stargate Walking, uh, or you can go to the Facebook group or the Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate, and talk there and have some more conversation. And as always, have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, Until then, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.